Today's scripture comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 29 through 34. As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sunset, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various demons and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Matthew, Luke, and Mark, they all tell the aftermath of Simon's mother-in-law's healing nearly identically. Matthew, he touched her hand and the fever left her and she got up and began to serve him. Luke, then he stood over her and rebuked the fever and it left her. Immediately she got up and began to serve them. And Mark, he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her and she began to serve them. They all tell it the same way and I have always heard it in a way that it should not be heard. That is because I confess to you this morning that I have been prone to hearing this in the same way that I hear it when a committee chairperson asks a female committee member, almost never a male committee member, to take the minutes. In other words, I have always heard this scripture as some sort of biblical confirmation that there are things women are expected to do if they are around. This is not how this scripture should be heard. Yes, Simon's mother-in-law goes immediately from her sickbed to serving those in her home. But two things are way more important here than the fact that she is a woman. First, when Simon's mother-in-law gets up to serve the people in her home, it is a privilege for her to do so. As the oldest female, we assume, in the household, it was an honor for her to offer hospitality to guests and to take the lead in that hospitality. As Professor of Theology Feme Perkins points out in her commentary on this text, Jesus's healing touch restored not only her health, but also her social position within the house. The second thing about this text, besides this understanding of its cultural setting that lets us know that this is not just a story of a woman being seen as a servant to men, is the word itself that is translated to serve in this text. The Greek word is diakonia, a word that speaks to deeds of love and service through which God's grace is shared with others. An online resource I used to look into this word described 
diakonia as caring for the needs of others as the Lord guides in an active, practical way. Do you know where else we can find diakonia in the Gospel of Mark? We see it in the story of Jesus in the wilderness that's just a few verses before this scripture today when we find angels ministering to, serving Jesus after his fasting and temptation. It is also the term that Jesus uses when he tells his followers that he did not come to be served, but to serve. With these things in mind then, we can hear this scripture for what it truly is. A lesson in how our experiences of healing should impact our discipleship. In the case of Simon's mother-in-law, her healing returned her body to health and restored her capacity to serve others in a practical way. She was able to minister to those in her home, and in so doing, she offered gratitude to God through her loving service to others. For others, the service that is offered after a healing experience can be much more specific to the healing that has been received. Here within our Alabaster FUMC family, we have a beautiful picture of that in the story of Brandon Belzer and his family. Almost nine years ago, when he was 16, Brandon was in a rollover car accident that left him with a broken collarbone and scapula, as well as a fractured skull. Brandon spent 11 days in the hospital, four of those in which he was in a medically induced coma. He then spent 11 days in inpatient rehab and six months in outpatient rehab. Now, Brandon still deals with some ongoing impacts from his injuries. He did recover from a very scary accident. And not long after, he and his family found themselves with an opportunity to transform their story into ministry? Well, I think it was maybe five years after your accident or so, four or five years after, there was a, another family at the church that found themselves in a very similar situation. And I know that you guys were right there for them. Can you tell us a little bit about what happened when you heard about the accident and, and what you did and, and how you were able to minister to another family? For me, go ahead, Brandon. For me that night, I'll, I will never forget that night because I, I don't have any idea how scary that was for my family. Cause I, I couldn't be there when it happened for me, but I had heard the stories. Um, and that night when Kyle had his accident, I was getting ready to go on a date with my now wife. Um, she was finishing getting ready that night so we could go out. And my mom called me and she said, Kyle Ferguson just had an accident. And I said, okay, like what's, so he rear-ended somebody? Like, what do you mean? And she was like, he's being life-flighted right now to UAB. 
I'm not saying you need to cancel your date, but you, you might want to see if you can do something. And as soon as we hung up, I looked at Kirsten and I was like, I'm sorry. I know we've been planning this date for a couple of weeks now, but I got something more important I got to do. If you want to go with me, cool. I would appreciate the support, but if not, I completely understand that because I hate hospitals and I don't blame anybody for hating them. Um, and first thing Kirsten said was, let me finish getting ready and we'll go like right now. Um, I didn't really know how to be there for a family at that time. Cause like, I, I haven't had to do that before, but as soon as we got off the elevator going up to the room or the floor that Kyle was on, I remember I reached down and grabbed Kirsten's hand. Cause I, I knew I wouldn't be able to hold it together if I didn't. Um, and as soon as I saw Kyle's parents, I remember Bart looked at me and smiled not that was weird that he was smiling with everything going on. And then Rita, she, for lack of a better term, basically squealed. I mean, it was like the hope of seeing me walk up there was all that they needed. Um, my mom has told me later that Rita kept sitting there telling Bart before I got there, just kept telling him, Brandon made it through this. Brandon made it through this, you know, talking about like, we have a reason for hope. And as awful as that night was for that entire family and for me being a friend of Kyle's, I mean, we weren't super close beforehand, but as tough as that was, that feeling when I walked out of the elevator and I saw them and I could just see the hope show up in their face that I don't think you can beat that feeling, honestly. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, God put me here for a reason. God gave me the circumstances and the events in my life for a reason. And I may not always understand them. I may not ever appreciate them or like them like I should, but there's a reason for it. And that night, that night answered what that reason was a lot of times. So. Kathy and Johnny, did you have interactions with the Fergusons and Brittany and um, we did. Um, I don't know if you remember or not, but Bart's brother, Brian, died the Friday before this accident happened on Monday. Kyle's accident. And Kyle's accident, yes. So his son's in a horrible accident on Monday night. He just buried his brother literally the day before. Um, Brian and I were best friends in high school. So um, I've known Bart for a very long time. So when I got there, um, Brandon and Kirsten got there before we did. But when I got there, you know, I hugged Bart and I looked at him. I said, well, you've got an angel watching over you. And he said, what do you mean? And I said, Bart Bryan is watching. And I said, he's holding y'all and taking care of you. And, and he said, oh my gosh, I forgot. So he said, well, I'm going to do what my brother does or what my brother did. And he laid face down on the floor and just started praying right there in the you know middle of the waiting room, because wow. that's how Brian used to pray. He would lay down face down on the floor and just pray. Um, there was a couple of times that we went out to dinner with them so we could just talk. Um, giving somebody the sense of hope in these situations really is the most beautiful gift you can give because in this circumstance, as a parent, you feel completely helpless. And 
you're grasping at whatever you can find that will give you a glimmer of hope. So. And see, we have another family friend whose son is older and he was in an accident the Thanksgiving before Brandon's. Um, now he didn't come out as well as Brandon or Bart did. Kyle. Um, but he. Huh? Brandon uh, or Kyle. Uh, Brandon or Kyle, I'm sorry. And, and I get confused because the other gentleman that had the wreck, his name was also Kyle. Um, so I think also Brandon sees the other Kyle and sometimes he has the guilt of why did I come out better than some others? And and they, they call that survivor's guilt. And we all have it at times. We've had it, you know, and we just don't know. And like Brandon said, there's some things we'll never appreciate or understand why, but it's here. Um, mm -hmm. Brittany can tell you how her life changed, you know, because her life changed tracks completely right after the accident. What happened, Brittany? Um, I was actually starting nursing school that fall. So I went to nursing school um, and just felt a call in to change my major. Um, and I kept telling everyone I'll never be a counselor because that's what my major really was doing. Um, I said, but that's not what I'll be. And lo and behold, I'm a school counselor right now. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I want to just thank you for sharing these stories with us and, um, just, just paying that story forward whenever you um, have the chance to, for, for canceling a date take, or changing a date, taking her to the hospital, you know, changing your major, um, sharing those stories with friends. And, um, and thank you for sharing this with the church. Yeah. Brandon says that he didn't really know how to be there for the Ferguson family that night of Kyle's accident. But he knew that he needed to be there, and he found out that being there was all he needed to do. The Fergusons knew his story, and his recovery gave them hope in their hardest moments. Johnny and Kathy were able to offer Bart and Rita hope in the midst of feelings of helplessness. And Brittany's life path was completely changed by her experiences with her brother. The great adventure that we call life often includes journeys into dark places. In those moments, it is hard to see out of the pit we find ourselves in. But life also includes moments when we feel the healing hand of Jesus. To be a disciple of Jesus Christ is to do more than accept his healing touch with a whispered, thank you, Lord. To be a disciple is to be in the world in a way that speaks to the grace that we have received, sometimes by what we say and always by what we do. To be a disciple is to serve others with the abilities we have been given Perhaps abilities which illness and troubles once stole from us, but which are now restored. To be a disciple is to give hope to others by sharing our stories, our struggles, and our hurts, and how God was with us through them all, particularly when our stories, struggles, and hurts parallel those 
that someone else is currently experiencing. Irma Bombeck was a writer and newspaper columnist known for her insightful and funny writings about her life as a suburban housewife. One of my favorite quotes is from Bombeck. When I stand before God at the end of my life, I would hope that I would not have a single bit of talent left and could say, I used everything you gave me. Our stories and experiences are just as important to use as are our talents. Why would we want to waste any of them? Why wouldn't we pay them forward whenever, wherever, and however we can? What really stood out to me in talking with Brandon this week is what he said in describing how that night at the hospital with the Fergusons clarified something for him. He said, God put me here for a reason. God gave me the circumstances and the events in my life for a reason. I may not always understand them. I may not always appreciate them or like them like I should, but there is a reason. This week, I challenge all of us to examine our lives for the places where we have received a healing touch from God. Once we have identified these touches, let us do our best to figure out how to put them to use in service to our fellow man, woman, and child. May we pay forward everything we have been given with service offered in humility and love to friend, neighbor, and stranger through the power and the insight provided by the Spirit within us in the name of our healer and redeemer, Jesus Christ, for the glory of God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we have all experienced your healing touch in our lives. In fact, some of us this morning are seeking that touch desperately. And whether we are in the midst of needing your healing or have gone forth from a place experiencing it, we ask that you continue to go with us on our journey and that you show us how to use every experience and story that we have to minister and serve others. Thank you for those that you have placed in our lives to help us through our difficult moments and help us to be those who are there for others in theirs. All of this we pray in the name of our Savior, our Healer and Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Amen.